overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on His people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. And welcome to Embarrassment of Riches. Hello, Laura. Hello. Good may, evening. May I say, Laura, Mm-mm. Lara, Mm-mm. Lara. All wrong. <laughs> Lara Pace. They are all well, wrong. Well, I feel like it's important to say your name right tonight because um, this is going to be a tale of two Lauras. Nope. A tale no. of two Laras. <laughs> <laughs> we, Laura. Yeah. Lara. <laughs> Lara. But that doesn't sound right either. No, it doesn't. Do you, does anybody recognize that voice? Oh, that that's Laura Kamick, our no, special guest. That was guest. better. That was better. Yes, welcome, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am currently trying to resist eating the delicious popcorn you've made because Kyle will smite me. <laughs> He'll smite you. He said we had to stop chewing. What did he say? It sounded like in the mic. Termites. Termites. <laughs> Our, our popcorn eating sounded like termites. So I love that this giant delicious bowl of popcorn is sitting well, next to me, but I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> Practice of discipline. Well, we are super excited to have you here today, Laura. Um, you want to give us like thank kinda... you, thank you for being excited. <laughs> no, and that's that's going to be hard. Wait, which and... one? You got to clarify which Laura you're talking to. I know, and this is not going to be the only time this this season, guys. Just. Pre- you know, I know. We gird, almost called gird your loins. Yes, we almost going to be a lot of Lara's. Season, the seasons of Lara's. <laughs> I, I, I was. I told. I joked with Laura Pace that um, maybe we should do a season where it was all Lara's. All Lara's. <laughs> like, and then uh, you have to play guess who. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which Lara are we interviewing? <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, we'll try to make that uh, as less as least confusing as possible, but. Why don't you let us know just kind of background, where you're from, how long you've been at DBC, mm-hmm. the general stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I am from Dallas, born and raised, actually grew up at Prestonwood Baptist Church mm-hmm. when it was right across the street mm-hmm. from Dallas Bible. And at the time, I'm 48, so I guess this was in the 80s. And so Dallas Bible was a handy Dan. I don't know if y'all... What's yes. a handy dance? It's like an old, it's like a Home Depot. Yes. But oh. like a, a mom there was that whole shopping center was like grocery store and, yes. and that was like a hardware type yeah, store. Yeah, it was a hardware store. And uh, Prestonwood purchased that building and turned it into the youth building. And so when I was in high school, I went to youth group where our kids go to youth group. So wow. it's just funny to see how it comes back full circle. And funny story too, the where the uh, football field is that was a parking lot for Prestonwood Baptist, and we always went to early hour. It started at nine twenty, so we got to church at nine. The parking lot was empty, and my dad would always park in that far back corner and make us walk. And we'd be like, "Dad, what are you doing?" 
And he'd go, we are going to park far away so that the people that are late can have a front row parking Aww. spot. And so every time I go to DBC and I'm staring at the football field, I remember that story. So, and then park as close as possible. Yeah. And a park is, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, anyways, I I got distracted with that story. But so born and raised in um, Prestonwood Baptist. And then uh, Bart and I met back here in Dallas, got married. We lived down in Dallas until... We moved up to Richardson in November of 2012, and um, we belonged to a great church down in Dallas, absolutely loved it, and continued going to that church. Um, but after a couple years, we just felt like we were no longer a part of the Dallas community. We were certainly becoming entrenched in the Richardson community, and so we started church shopping, um, and I had to ask Kristen Poole how long, I knew you might asked me how long we've been at DVC. And I had to text her like, when did we join? So she said, we first visited in 2015. I think we officially became members in 2017. It was one of the first churches we visited. And David Porcadue was the worship minister. Aaron had just started and we loved it. But we said, well, let's, let's keep touring, keep visiting churches. And we kept saying, we miss DVC. Let's go back to DVC. And so, um, like, Kristen reminded me we joined in 2017 and have absolutely. That's so funny because I remember I felt like you had, we we probably started going there at the same time and then y'all continued looking around. Oh yeah. Okay. Because I remember seeing you guys um, and thinking y'all were new. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We were probably on the same timeline. Yeah. Because we came so. right after Aaron. David Porcadue was still there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's interesting because I remember meeting you guys over on the, our little side where we sit. Yes, yeah. And okay. seeing your four beautiful children. Oh, well, and yours too. Well, so how, growing up in church, how did you come to know the Lord? And then when did your faith, how did your faith maybe become a little bit more real to you? Yeah. Um, so Which I is a s- selfish question because I've been asking that of myself a lot lately with my kids. Like, Oh, what? For, for kids like, our, like my kids, like Laura's kids... Being raised in church, not like the Denny's, kids. not like that Denny's kids are raised no, like wolves, not like you and gummy Kyle. Bears All right, and just this sour of gummy bears kids and, at ten thirty at night. Yes, just hanging. They with, do do that, by the way. They that. do. Um, <laughs> no, but, but not like you and Kyle. Not like you and Kyle. I feel like you y'all have a different story of your childhood and and coming to faith. Like, well, Kyle grew up in the church. Yes, but I mean, I think that his. Any, yes, he did. Yes, we're not going to go into that all of that. Um, but I've been asking yeah. myself a lot lately: yeah. How do I make my like my faith and the faith I hope my children practice real to them? Yeah. So, what was that like in your life with your parents? So, Obviously, your dad was making you park away to par- yes. far away to serve others. So, um, that's such a great question, and it's actually very applicable to sort of my testimony, but that's not your testimony. Yeah. <laughs> we had a joke. I said, Jessica, I'm going to tell you everything I'm going to say. And you tell me if it sounds good. And she goes, I'll just say, no, you can't say that. And I'm like, okay, just totally take away my testimony. Um, but I grew up again, Preston Baptist, loved it. Um, I was in church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I was in Bible studies. And so I was in the church. I was in the word. 
Um, I grew up in a very moral home. Morals were very important. We always do the right thing. We make the right decisions. Um, and I mean, Lord knows we need more of that now. But anyway, so, and I, I had, you know. Yeah, I mean, there you could do worse. Right? <laughs> yeah, I could do worse. And very type A parents. We work mm. very hard for what we have. And we're very grateful for, you know. Do the right thing. Do the right thing and do it well. And that translated to me. As a young kid, despite being in church, I have to earn my salvation. And um, so I, I, I would, like I said, I was in church all the time. I was in Bible studies. I was in God's word. I have absolute, I was baptized when I was in sixth grade. I did all the things you do. And I have no doubt that if I were to have died, I absolutely would have gone to heaven. I had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um and I would even witness to people and say, he died for our sins. But I, looking back, I didn't even really understand what that meant because you earn your way into heaven. You're a good person. You make moral decisions. And um, I went on to college. You know, I continued living a, a clean lifestyle. <clears throat> I was plugged into church. Again, Bible studies. Graduated. Came back to Dallas. Same thing. And I will never forget, I was in BSF Bible study, and we were studying Paul and the Epistles, which is such a great study. And I remember literally reading the one about Paul on the road to Damascus, where he you know, was overcome by the Lord. And I sat up in the middle of my study, and I went, oh my gosh, I'm saved by grace. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like it hit me like a ton of bricks. And this is in my adult life. Mm-hmm despite having been at the church, you know, all growing up. And oddly enough, nothing about my life changed. Mm-hmm. I continued to leave it, lead a moral lifestyle. I mean, there was nothing I needed to change. But the Lord just got a hold of my heart. He knew I was pursuing him. And he said, I got it. You got to understand this. You have to understand what I've done for you and that it's not about what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really struggle with pride and, I, I, when I do things, man, I'm going to do it to, with 110% of my effort and it's going to be done well. And I think that's how I had treated my, my Christianity. And so that is going to be my eternal struggle with the Lord. Just it's him, not me. Mm. You know, he's going to try and disable my pride, but he's always like, it's me that's done this, not you. And so that's sort of how mm-hmm. I kind of came to a complete understanding of it's so weird. And even, even for me growing up Catholic, um, like I knew, I knew the story, the Jesus story. And I would say Jesus died for our sins, all this stuff. But like, it is, it is so interesting how like that there really is like almost like a a mental switch that has a heart shift. Yeah. Where it's like all of a sudden you realize like that, that the gravity of what that means, yeah, and that that means that you did nothing and he did everything, and yeah. that it's real. It becomes very real to and, you, and it's so it's so it's so upside down kingdom. Like it's yes. it, it's so upside down kingdom, and so not what this world is like. Yes, that that it's even. But yeah, we have to live in the world and, and that's how they mm. look at things. And that's such a struggle for Well, me. sure. And that God actually cares about obedience and cares mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes. you know, like that. So I think that's the thing is it's like, how, like that there's this nuanced way of that, how you have to speak about how God mm-hmm. 
is merciful and gracious and kind and loving and did everything for us. Yeah. And also he cares about obedience yeah. and, and that, and, and that it, he takes it very seriously. Yes. Yes. And I think that it's that, that's why it's almost like he has to, he almost has to make that shift in your brain for you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I think what I've been talking to like my small group youth girls about is that recognizing that it's not about what you do and it's not about you earning salvation um, is so important, but it also doesn't dismiss that God has outlined a healthier life for you. Like that, that living the, that moral life is, is better for your mental health. It's better for your yes. physical health. Like it, it, it removes some roadblocks from you being close to the Lord yeah. and not having other things on the throne of your life mm-hmm. that aren't important or not as important. Um, so yeah, there's this weird balance of, I, 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 I think God wants me to live this life mm-hmm. and, and has played, made that very clear, but it's not what's going to get me to heaven and it's not going to make my relationship with him. Like it's not going to make him love me. And that's what I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, nothing you can do is going to make God love you more uh-huh. or God love you less. Uh-huh. Like he loves you all the way, uh-huh. no matter what, but there are ways that you can live your life that are better for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's why he tells us it's better for, it's better for us. Yeah. That, I, that's one of the reasons why I'm such a like huge 12 step cheerleader is because I think, um, especially if, especially if you wrap Christianity into, into, into that, into that 12 steps, it's, um, it, it is so, um, it's so, it's, 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 it's this humility, like it's, it's, I mean, I think at, at its core, um, that the 12 step program is this just humility of understanding how, how, how low you can go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's accountability uh-huh. and it's, and it's holding yourself and others, um, with a level of grace, like yeah. it, yes. and, and trying and trying to see, trying to see yourself and other people with the grace that God sees you with, and and so to to when you are like with somebody that's been like through a twelve step recovery program and and actually like takes it seriously, it's like they're the best people in the world, mm-hmm. and it's because they. They do. They have this like level of humility that they've seen the worst of themselves. They have yeah. seen the worst of themselves, and it and it makes them it makes them really really gracious to you. <laughs> well, and so along those lines, and kind of to go back to your original question, so, um, what? Well, so Bard and I were both born and raised in affluent families, and so we there was money. Um, you know, and, and we had new cars when we were 16 and we had whatever clothes we wanted. And so it, what was interesting. So we get married, we're living in Dallas, sort of living that lifestyle. And the Lord intervened through just sort of a failed business partnership with my husband and removed all of that. Mm. And that was what was so humbling. Like we were taken down financially completely. We didn't lose anything, but we had to give up everything. Mm. So we had to sell our home. We had to sell our cars. We, you know, and it was extremely humbling. And to your point, it, the Lord just ripped all pretenses off. And by the way, 
when you don't have much, you, you kind of learn who your true friends are. Mm-hmm. And that's when the Lord taught me, I'm all you need. Mm-hmm. And we were in very dire financial circumstances. I, I wasn't working. My kids were extremely little. So Bart was having to kind of rebuild our life. And I was at home and we we had nothing. And the Lord intervened in such ways. I, I've it, it was incredible. And I was like, if I didn't believe before, I believe now. And the Lord just had us sit in that. And, um, which that brings up all sorts of questions about identity. Well, what have I put my hope in? Well, that, that's, was my point. So that's, was such a pivotal time in my spiritual life. That's when I really, that's what changed, was changed the trajectory I was on. And I taught my kids, no matter what, your identity is in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It is in not how much money you have. It is not in your grades. It is now not in how many likes you have on Instagram. Your, your identity, who you are is in Jesus Christ. And, um, that was just such a pivotal moment. So when you talked about humbling, I was like, yes, that's, that's exactly where we've been. And you can't help but walk away being totally changed. The, my, one of my favorite life verses in Job at the end of Job, I forget the reference exactly, but Job said, my ears had only heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And when you go through such a hard time and the Lord reveals himself to you, you're just like, wow, it's amazing. Well, and, and that, that's so counterculture because what you guys went through is the worst thing that can happen. Yes. Losing what like yes. the thing that you wanted, the career you wanted, the business you wanted, the money you have, yes. the status, losing yeah. friendships, the status for sure. Well, and what was even funnier is I told Bart, my, so the girls at the time, uh, they were, they were younger and Denton, my third child, I mean, he was like an, a baby. Um, he was maybe like two. Um, but I said to Bart, I said, I'll give up everything but I don't want to give up the sweet Christian private school that the girls are in. So let's sell our home and let's sell everything we have to, to keep the girls in this private school. And what I love, and you think that sounds like something that would be pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. And it's like, literally he just pried my fingers off of even the school that I thought was honoring to him. And he's like, no, this is not my plan for you. And, um, you're going to be roughing it in RIS. I know. <laughs> well, no, I, I, but I, I had obviously grown up around here. I went to Plano senior high and so knew a lot of people in Prairie Creek. And I just, we just, the Lord kept dripping on us. And that's another thing too. When the Lord is working in your life, he's very patient with you. When he has a plan for you, he makes it clear and you can res- resist it for a while, but he's going to keep dripping and keep dripping. It's like, I'm God, I'm going to win. I'm so gonna I'll win. just sit back and, and watch what happens. It's almost like you're itching in your skin, mm-hmm. you know, that, okay, I got to obey you. Fine. And, but he brought us up here and it's just been amazing and, and he's blessed us. And I don't know why he brought us here. I still don't know why. And sometimes I don't think we ever know why God, um, works in our lives the way he does. But, um, but we, came here and anyways, just that has been, again, Laura, I'm sorry, I keep deviating, but just going back to your question, like that is what we teach our kids, you know, just, you got it. It may not make sense, but when you follow the Lord, you know, and your identity is absolutely in him. What you, you had mentioned and we, and uh, like 
uh, that you and Bart starting dating that that like that oh, yeah. you didn't tell us the story, but you said that that was something oh, interesting story. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, Bart and I are both single. I think we're like 25, 26, don't know each other. And our moms both shopped at a boutique and they had a mutual friend that worked at this boutique and knew of each uh, of us. So they, this lady um, knew of me and knew of Bart and she kept telling our moms, Hey, we, I want to set your kids up. They just sound like they would really get along. And so one day my mom and um, his mom happened to be there at the same time. And my mother gave his mother my phone (laughs) number and I'm like, Mom, that is so weird. I don't know this guy. And whatever. Well, he, his mom went home and gave him the card with my name and number. Well, he just tossed it on his dresser. Like, I am not calling this girl. This is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. This well, old 25, 26-year-old bag that's not married Right, already. right. So um, I fast forward. I go to a bachelorette party down in Galveston. Uh, for one of my college friends and she had been in PT school. So had just a bunch of sweet friends there. And I walked in and really hit it off with one of these girls. And she said, Hey, are you dating anyone? My husband's best friend. Just, I think y'all would really get along and I would love to set y'all up. Well, it was Bart. And I said, sure. You know, I'm not dating anyone. And, um, so she called and gave him my name and number And he's like, this is weird. This looks really familiar. Well, he had happened to keep that card that his mom brought home. And he goes, well, now I got to call her. So he calls and I had figured out the coincidence. So I'm telling my friend on the phone what is going on when he beeps in. And I answered. Oh, that that aged you just then when he beeps in. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't see his number come up. Oh, I didn't see. I just heard my phone beeping (laughs) in. Yeah. So I answered and he goes, Hey, you know, this is Bart Camack. And I go, Oh my gosh, I'm talking about you on the other line. Well, that freaked him out. So he got really quiet and I thought, well, this guy just doesn't sound fun at all, fun at all. And so he says, well, you know, can I take you out? Yes. So he picks me up. It's like a Tuesday night. It's pouring down rain. A Tuesday night date. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> picks me up at seven Oh one and has me home at seven 59. Like Stop I mean, it. I, I'm not even lying. Like I walked Where'd in, y'all go. Oh, what was that Mexican food place at Beltline and Montfort? It's out of business now. It's like where the flower child is. Um, I'm sure there was one. Oh there. my gosh. I can't think like not Don Pablo's whatever, just a Mexican food restaurant, but we had a great time. Like we we realized we had a lot in common. But that's a very quick date, but a very quick that's date, a 58 minute date. Yes. And I remember walking in going, it is the same hour that he's dropping me off that he picked me up. So I called my mom and I said, I really liked him. We got along great. He was super cute. I don't know if he likes me though. He had me home so quick. And so he ended up asking me out for that Saturday night. We were engaged. Maybe he just likes to go to bed early on weeknights. Maybe so. And that was my thought too. Like it was, it was just kind of a first date. Maybe he was feeling awkward. Kyle asked me for a coffee date. And then when he arrived at the coffee date at 7 PM, um, which is where we were supposed, and we were meeting because I didn't know his last name at that point. So I don't get in the car with people whose last name I don't know. (laughs) And, but anyway, he, I'm sitting out there, he shows up and he's like, 
I haven't eaten, you know, do you want to go so, like somewhere for dinner? And I'm or, like, I'm, I'm like, sure. Well, I've already eaten. So he like, didn't even have to buy my dinner. Oh, hilarious. He just, like, I'm like, Cheat it, day. I, I, I know I sort of accused him of that. He was like, no, I just hadn't eaten. I was like, well, who hadn't eaten at seven o'clock? Or you could have just asked me on a dinner date. <laughs> yes. And fully committed. Me to but he was, ha- he wanted to fill you out, make sure you, I guess a, that's a like I said, we were meeting, like I didn't know his last name. So. Oh my God. I did ask his last name when he asked me on the second date. I was like, what is your last name? Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I need to be, name. because I'll date myself. We did date in an age where you could Google somebody. <laughs> oh, on MySpace or whatever. <laughs> yes. Google them. Anyway, continue. Oh, so, oh no. So, so, so you didn't know so if from he liked the second you because, Saturday date, how long were y'all? Oh, we went out, had the best time. Um, I, I can't remember how long that date was, but we were engaged three months later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And, um, we got married, lit- we got married in November of 2000, which was the year anniversary of us meeting. And so we had a crazy engagement. We, um, bought a house. I moved in the house. We decided we were going to remodel it. So I moved out and moved in with my parents in their apartment while they were building a house the contractor walked out on us. This is all while we're engaged. The contractor walks <laughs> out on us like two or three weeks before we were to get married. Oh, man. It, it was super stressful. And so really, the whole our whole courtship was planning a wedding and buying a house. And mm-hmm. so our, our first year of marriage was very, very challenging. And I remember the first weekend we were home from our honeymoon, it was Saturday morning. And I said, Hey, let's get up. We, we clean the house on Saturdays. Like, that's what I do. I clean the house. And You're he, goes, he course, goes, of course you do. No, I watch football or whatever sport was on. And I go, no. She we, doesn't even know what sport was on. It was football. <laughs> and I said. In November, it was yeah, football. It was football. And I go, no, we clean the house. We got in the biggest fight. I slammed the pledge can down on our <laughs> mantle. There's like a ring. Probably that house is still standing because we were at Lovers in Inwood. By the way, we bought the Dixie Chicks old house. That's a cool story. Wow. But I slammed down the pledge can and like made an indention in the mantle. And it's probably still there if the house is still there. But anyway, so our first year of marriage was very challenging. And we tell our kids we will never let them do that get married so soon, but we, we worked and mm-hmm. we're good. So. <laughs> You're ta- talking about those that like, so basically he was a blind date. Yes. Two people mm-hmm. tried to set you yes. up with. Yeah. Okay. So my double blind date story is that I have been, I think I've only been on two blind dates and both of them were with a twin. No. Yes. So I was set creepy. up. I was, I, now, one of them, the brother, the twin brother was like, I knew the twin brother. And so the twin brother and his wife set me up with his twin. So at least you knew if you thought he was cute or not. <sighs> yeah. Although he was a twin and I don't know if they were identical. There was just a few little they tweaks were, that weren't quite as cute. They were, he was not quite <laughs> as cute as his brother. And okay. Part one. And then the other twin was, I knew there were, there were four brothers I knew the oldest brother and the youngest brother, and then the twin brothers lived out of state. And I was set up on a, on a blind date with one of the twin brothers that lives out of state whenever he came in town. That sounds promising. <laughs> it wasn't. And also, <laughs> I knew early on it wasn't going to be a go. We had gone on a couple of dates. 
but I wasn't that interested. And then I was less interested when he, um, he asked me if I, if I sang and I, and I said, I do not. And he goes, I can tell by your voice. <gasps> oh, oh. <laughs> Okay. Apparently, you can tell if someone can sing by the quality of their speaking voice. Was he a singer to know that? He was in an acapella boys group. Oh, Oh, that right there would have sealed the deal. Anyway, all that to say, I do think it's funny that I've only ever been on two blind dates, and they were both with twins. I've never been on a blind date. Never. No. Well, like I, I mean, it was a. And neither one of them worked out. Mm -hmm. Well, we're thankful for Kyle. But some people. Do go on blind dates. Yeah, you never know. And get engaged after three months. Yes. So tell us a time in your life that you feel like you can specifically recall that God has showed up in a big way. Um, I think it would most definitely be related back to just when we were dealing with our financial struggles. Um, I became pregnant with my fourth child, which is very nerve wracking when you're, you know, concerned about finances. Uh, Bart had started a new company, so he was self-employed. You can't get maternity coverage when you're self-employed. So that was a huge concern of ours. Actually, he had, um, excuse me, he had been self-employed and you couldn't get maternity coverage, but he had just started with the new company um, where we could get insurance, but there was like a 90 day waiting period. And I remember, um, I, we just like the, his company instructed us, if you haven't gone to the doctor, you're not pregnant. (laughs) And so I had to, they were like, we need you to wait because we want you to get this coverage. So we want you to wait to go to the doctor when you get coverage so that we can be sure and cover this pregnancy. So here I am waiting, can't go to the doctor, can't confirm anything for three months. And I remember going, finally going to the doctor and the nurse and and I, I we nothing was a secret like we weren't trying to do anything underhanded we were just simply following instructions i told my doctor exactly what i was doing and i remember going to for my first checkup and the nurse goes why haven't you come in and i explained it because you know that's illegal and i remember at the time just having this peace wash over me that god is not limited by laws and i by the way i'm not pursuing i mean i'm not condoning like breaking the law and that's not or insurance fraud yeah or insurance fraud (laughs) maybe we edit this out (laughs) no if it's going it's going it's going this is your testimony (laughs) but my point is and i really the point i want to drive home more than any of that is god is bigger than any thing in our lives Mm -hmm. and and when you were in his will and when you were relying on him and depending on him he he parts the sea. Mm-hmm. And when, when we had to sell our home, this was in 2009. That was, you know, when the huge real estate crash was. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here we are there. I remember there were a hundred and this is in December. We're trying to sell our home. That's the worst time to mm-hmm. sell a home. There were a hundred and like 13 homes for sale just in our little geographical area. We also backed up to these utility lines, so that takes out a huge buyer pool, and we sold our home in a matter of weeks. Mm. Um, It's just like his hand was on everything, and that's when I, you know, I I used to tell my friends, well, yeah, I mean, I'm a Christian, but gosh, I still have to 
cook meals and work. Like, you know, I felt like I still had to do things. Like God was depending on me to really do things for his will to be played out. And I learned at that time that, no, you just sit there. You just sit there and God does all the work and you just trust him. And you, it doesn't make sense and, and you don't know why. And I, I wrote down a few verses because I remember just questioning, like, why are you doing this to us, Lord? And um, and he, I, he brought me to Isaiah 55, 9. And he said, as the high, heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways mm. and my thoughts than your thoughts. Like he just had a plan for us and he was going to take care of us. Yeah, if he's going to take care of those birds in the air, yeah, then he's going to take care of you. Of us, yes. And I'm not even convinced that that's insurance fraud. Like you're allowed to go to the doctor when you want to go to the doctor, <laughs> by <Sure>. the way. <laughs> It's your choice. Well, and we we were like I said, we were upfront and honest with all parties involved. We just were explaining our situation, and it, it's like he just put the people in our path to help kind of guide us through the opportunity to where we could get the coverage that we needed. And yeah, and what do they really even do? They do an <laughs> ultrasound. Yeah, they tell you to take yeah. prenatal vitamins. This wasn't your first rodeo. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it was my fourth child. I could probably the, delivered it myself. That's right, and that's right. in like, a rice field. Like, <laughs> so. One thing I wanted to talk to you about too is you are on the the cusp of a different stage of life mm-hmm. with with Ellie, mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. my children love and she babysits oh, for us. She loves um, them too. Tell us just a little bit about walking through, and you you have a big spread too with kids. Like mm-hmm. you still have a kid in elementary school, right? Uh huh. Fourth grade, uh-huh. and then you have a middle schooler, and you have two high schoolers, and one that's about mm-hmm. to go off to college. Mm-hmm. How are you navigating that? I don't think I am right now. Just denial. It, solid I'm in denial. denial. Um, nothing, none of it has seemed real to me um, until this weekend she had prom. And that hit me. I was very weepy the night of prom. Just she had her beautiful dress on. and She looked beautiful. Oh, thank you. And I was like, okay, this is getting real. She looked very grown up to me. But um, I had the best college experience. Like I, I loved college. And so I think that's what's what I've been focusing on for her. Like you go, you go to college, you have that fun experience. So I, I'm so excited for her to, that I haven't, it hasn't set in yet that she's going to be leaving. I think it'll really set in when she's gone. Um, but I, I'm a very independent person. I did go to Houston right out right after college. I moved to Houston um, for an internship, which I thought was really. Where'd you go to college? I went to Tech to in tech. Lubbock. Okay. And oh um, yeah, we talked about that. How, yeah, West how, Texas. How it's like five hours to Tech or five hours yeah. to Arkansas. Yeah. So she picked <laughs> the five hours to Arkansas. That's where she's going. But I thought, oh, moving to Houston was just. I was really showing my independence, you know. But I was only there. Such an adventure. Yeah. But I only took like a nine month. It was a nine turn internship, and then I moved back to Dallas, and I've been here where I was born and raised. And I've always regretted that I I worked for Chase Bank, so I could have gone to New York. You know, I think of all these things I could have done that I didn't. And Ellie really wants to move to Nashville, and I told her the other day. I said, from one independent girl to another you go to Nashville, don't you dare come home. Hmm. Like you go, I want her to live her life. It's more important to me for her to live her life and do what she wants than for her to come back home to be with me. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but Which again, it's a tough, it's a, that's a tough stance as a mom. Yeah. Because um, if they're, if they're five, 10, 18, 30, 
you want them you close want them by. Home. And I, but I told her, I said, I will come visit you, but you go live the life you want to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see, you know, we'll see where that takes her. But, um, I, again, to answer your question, I don't, it just hadn't hit me yet. She's still at home. So nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in six months I will probably be a puddle on the floor. That's right. And then she's, she's going to be, she better come home to Dallas. I know. I'll be like, <laughs> you get home right now. You are not moving to Nashville. When well, you and I think you've got, you, you, she has such a good head on her shoulders. She does. And, and so it doesn't feel, I mean, it, I shouldn't say it doesn't feel scary. It does feel scary oh, to yes. send your child out into the world, but you also know, like she's. Yeah. Going to make mistakes, but going to make good choices. Yes. And-, and and that's been my prayer too recently is have your way with her, Lord. Like whatever your will is, make that clear and really reveal yourself to her because she has been living up under mine and Bart's um, parenthood mm-hmm. and she hasn't experienced the toughness of life. And so I'm, and I don't want that for her at all, but I would love for this time in college for her to really come to know the Lord in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to make her faith real. Yes, absolutely. Well, what looking forward and in, in about your life, what like you're seeing on the horizon as your children are getting older, what is your big ask prayer? You know, my, I, I feel like, um, I love being involved in different activities. Um, I, I work, obviously I'm a mom of four kids. I've been the president of a couple of organizations. I feel like the Lord has gifted me in, in organizational administratively. I've got strong organizational skills. I'm communicative. And I feel like, um, I've sort of gone rogue with that a little bit and I've overcommitted myself and it's really taken me away from the Lord. And so my big ass prayer is that the Lord would just really kind of rein me in and just give me that, the ability to just sit and be still and know that he is God and really ask what his next plan for my life and my family's life is and how I can use like how focus your energy, focus, focus your, my energy. Well, and it's yes. interesting that, that your, your muscle memory would be doing yes, that you were a doer early yes. that you wanted like that he would do the right thing Mm -hmm. that you would make the right commitments. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to go back to that. Yes. Not with the same mentality. Like I know you're not trying to earn your salvation at this point, but that, you know, we all still kind of struggle with our baseline. Absolutely. And I think that will always be a struggle of mine. And so just to, to rein it in and I was just talking, I just gave a little talk yesterday to an office that sometimes hires me to come do that. And, um, one of the things I was talking about is boundary setting and how it's important to learn how to boundary set with other people. But a lot of times it's boundary setting with yourself. Like when it's hard to say no to something Mm -hmm. because your identity is wrapped up in saying yes to stuff and showing up for the school activity and saying yes to the, all the play dates and making sure you're on this committee. Yes. It's so, so we did like a little activity where it was like, what feels important, but hard to say yes to. Mm -hmm. Could it sometimes be, um, learning to say yes when your instinct is to say no MTR? Wait, what? What's MTR? (laughs) Oh no, you did it. 
she just referenced something she wasn't supposed to reference and it just ever took me ever a yeah. like so sometimes the boundary setting i didn't even think that you would do that so my mind wasn't even there no we're not talking about that we're talking about boundary setting with like if you think you should be the president of the thing mm-hmm. if you think you you do need to go like i just had to, this is such a dumb example but like thursday they scheduled because I have this irrational anger in May whenever anybody adds something extra to me yes. mm-hmm. and I feel like personally attacked by them, even though it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. But I'm like, stop touching May. You can't add anything else to May. Yeah. Well, they did. And I'm happy for my, for it's for Campbell, my second um, born. They had no field trips this year. They haven't had any field trips since COVID. So they're doing a little park day and I'm so happy that they're doing it, but it's on a Thursday, which is one of my work days. And if I don't work, I don't get paid. And also I have some people that are in mental health crisis and they yeah. need oh, for me to show up. Yes. So I had to give myself permission and it felt hard to say no to my child, mm-hmm. but like to say, I can't, I can't. And like a lot of my identity can easily get wrapped up yes. in being the, the mom that yes. brings the things and shows up and is there the whole time. And so there is a so parting of that. I'm of like, liberated from that. Yes, oh. you're 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 near the <laughs> Teach end. Teach me your ways. Yes, but saying like my that I I am still a good mom. I still have a close relationship with her. I will also still be at field day on Friday, like yes. doing some of that work of what where do you want me to put my yeah my time, my giftedness, my effort for you, Lord. Right, and it's obviously not in you, Campbell. So if you listen yeah. to this someday, you didn't win. No. Right. I know, but it's, it's just so hard. It's so hard. So that's my prayer for discernment, really Mm -hmm. just discernment where to spend your time, where he wants to use you and where you might need some rest. Yes. I don't understand what rest means, but yes, that would probably be very important. (laughs) It is. I mean, like, and, and I think that God can really work in that time Yeah, where you're able to just kind of sit and be not busy. Yeah. And well, and I, I do have a random little question as, as far as your family and, and what you've guys walked through, um, because I know, and I know that this isn't your story. It's uh-huh, part uh-huh. of it is Bart's story yeah, right. about his business and stuff like that, but how that can be, um, embarrassing mm-hmm. to like have financial struggle, mm-hmm. especially when you're in a community where people are appearing to do very sure. well financially. Sure. Um, how have you been honest with your kids about that time? Oh, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's always been obvious to them. Um, <laughs> because it's not like you moved out of Beverly Hills and into the slums. You still no. moved into a really right. affluent area. So where... we're, we're like renting our home. Um, so we moved to Richardson at the absolute worst time because, you know, property values skyrocketed. Well, it's been the worst time since then. Well, like exactly. It's never so, got anywhere but crazy up. Yeah. So it's always been we're, you know, we're renting our home. We don't own our home. Um, and it's almost like they've just always known. It's just always been that way. I did. I taught beach club um, for the kids, uh, Ellie's grade specifically, when she was in sixth grade. And so I was able to share my testimony to the small group. And I was sort of explaining just the circumstances that led us to move here. And um, it was so funny because Ellie had been a part of that her whole life. And as I'm giving my testimony, Ellie goes, huh? 
I didn't know that. And and so it's like, in a way I was like, thank you Lord for, you know, kind of shielding the kids from what was a very painful. And I I feel like I've just skimmed the surface tonight Mm. of how painful it really was. But, and I was like, Oh, thank you for sort of protecting her. But we've just always been honest. Like money doesn't grow on trees for us. And you know, summer camp is not a given or extravagant trips are not a given. And, and that's just how it, it is in our family. And it's it I've seen how it's manifested itself in, in the girls specifically. They'll say, Oh, I love this shirt. Oh gosh, it's twenty dollars. Let's don't get it. it. And I'm like, wow, I wish I had learned mm-hmm. that lesson when I was younger. Um, but but didn't. So our third born, this was a few years ago, but you know, we live in a, an affluent neighborhood and a lot of his friends live in beautiful homes. And one day he goes, Hey mom, are we poor? <laughs> and I go, yes, but we're rich in Jesus. <laughs> and and that's when yet again, I just drive home. It doesn't matter. This is mm-hmm. God's plan for our life. It just doesn't matter. And we have what we need. We like have what we've we never need. been not provided for as no. far as the things that we need. No. And we are perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but it's just like, it. it's just, we, I've made it as unimportant as I can relative to how I was raised, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and they're like, okay, well, that's just how it is in our family. Right. They've never felt like, oh, we're so, we have to go without. And yeah, we've never gone. There's some great food. built-in lessons there where yes. the girls are managing their money and Margaret's working at Chick-fil-A and, and they, you know, not without consciously doing this, like we've never given them an allowance because they've always worked. They've always either babysat or Margaret, like you said, works at Chick-fil-A and Margaret wants to get a second job for the summer. Mm -hmm. And that's by no, nothing we ever did. They just, I guess, realized the importance of working hard and, and we're like, man, they are learning some pretty incredible lessons Mm -hmm. that, you know, I don't know that we could have taught them otherwise. Mm -hmm. And just quickly, and I know we didn't really talk about this before and I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, when you guys were walking through that, Mm -hmm. you like just as a couple Mm -hmm. and, and maybe I'm projecting a little bit because I know that a lot of Kalen's, how he feels about himself is what he's doing for a living, Mm -hmm. different little business ventures that he has. Um, probably there is like a dollar amount in his head of what he would like feels sure where he feels good. And again, that's his story. Like that's right. his identity right. stuff. But how did you, how, how did y'all walk through kind of talking about that and marriage at that time? And, and, and what did, what did you guys learn about that? Yeah, it was a very big struggle in our marriage. And, um, I, you know, again, a lot of this is Bart's story and I don't want to tell, I did tell him tonight I would be speaking of it. And he said, Hey, say whatever you need to say, but you know, I want to be respectful of him, but, um, I will tell you that he did go into a deep depression. Mm -hmm. Um, but he even shielded me from that. He didn't tell me, he just shut himself off and we just mechanically went into what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. I had to take care of the kids and he had to go to work and, it was, I was very angry with him. I, I, I was angry that it had happened. And of course it manifested through him. And so I was very angry and frustrated, but yet 
looking back, it, it was sort of, he realized he was in an unethical business relationship. He didn't know, he didn't get into it knowing it was unethical, but he realized it was. And so he removed himself from it and he did all the right things. Um, and so looking back, I'm, I'm just so thankful for all the decisions that he made on behalf of our family, but it tore him up. And I, he has really struggled with that for many, many years. And I think he's coming out of it. Um, he recently, oh, I know he has come out of it, but we were talking about Ellie going off to college and, and how, but we're still thankful that we have three kids at home because I said, I'm not done parenting. I love Mm -hmm. parenting. I love having kids. I don't want to be an empty nester. And Bart made the comment. He said, I was absent for so long. Mm. I want to I, I'm so glad we have more kids that we I can really be a parent. I get a little bit of a reading. It's too late for you, Ellie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ellie. Um, but no, and, and he's been there for Ellie. You know, but of but course he, he has. But yes. he, um, I mean, there were times I didn't know if our marriage was going to make it, yeah. and but it it was just. And it feels good to hear him say something like that, where you're like, okay, you can see it. Like we can yes. kind of talk about that elephant that was in the room for so long yes. that you know you were. Yes, but what was really cool, um, through every dis- every hard decision we had to make, what was really cool is that we think a lot alike, and God would lay something on my heart, like you need to sell your home, God would simultaneously lay that on his heart. And so when we would come together and talk, we were saying, God told us the same thing and it was okay, then that's the right decision Mm -hmm. we need to make. And so that was so affirming, even though it was hard decision to sell our home that we loved. Um, it's like, but okay, okay, we're moving in the right direction. And I always felt like we made the right decisions in light of, in light of our circumstances. Mm -hmm. I do love the hindsight piece, like just being able to look back and see what God was doing, how, like, even when it would have, you were both probably isolating in a certain, Mm -hmm. to a certain degree where you were kind of isolating and just parenting little kids Mm -hmm. and he's isolating and, and having to just do business and kind of feeling bad about the struggles there, Mm -hmm. that there was still this, these moments of connection and yes. And seeing things the same together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, gosh, that's in a way that seems like a lifetime ago. That was what, 14 years ago. But I mean, we we're still living with the fallout of it. Sure. And it's like that. I, I often think, about the analogy, you know, when Paul said, whatever that thorn was in Paul's side, he's like, I asked the Lord to remove it three times and he didn't do it. And I'm like, Lord, just, can you lift this burden from us, Mm -hmm. this financial burden? And he's not lifting it Mm -hmm. and he may never, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I, in freedom prayer, um, I, I, I always joke because I regularly reference the same verse, which mm-hmm. I think is what you're talking about, but, um, that I asked him to remove it three times mm-hmm. and still no, but I had to basically look right at my weakness and be okay with being mm-hmm. weak because when I'm weak, then He's he can strong. really shine. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really dislike that. It feels really inconvenient for my personality. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't care for that. I'm like, but how about we can both be strong, God? Yeah. Can we both just be strong? Um but that like it's so true that we a lot of times just have to go 
I trust you in this. Yeah. Even though it totally sucks. Yeah. Well, and kind of back to my, my big ask prayer is, you know, I've, I've been questioning myself lately. Am I compensating? Like, do I feel lacking in the financial department? So I'm compensating by getting the power department, you know, being in the power, I'm president mm-hmm. of this and I'm president of that. And I work a mm-hmm. job and I've, you know, like, I like the way she lowers her voice. When yeah. There's a, <laughs> It's power voice. It was a power voice. I'm I'm with all men, so I got (laughs) to. But I'm like, am am I compensating? And am I missing what God is trying to teach me by compensating and doing something with those different roles? Yes. And again, you know, the Lord just is patiently crossing his arms, just waiting for me to go. Okay, I I can't do it anymore. I feel like the Tasmanian devil. Mm -hmm. I give up, Lord. What is your, mm-hmm. what's your plan? So I, I think I've referenced, I may have referenced this on the podcast a couple of times. Um, we had the winter chill with the youth mm-hmm. in this last school year and um, Jackson spoke and his, his overarching theme was that our identity isn't something that we earn. Mm-hmm. It's given mm-hmm. like period, full stop. Um, and I have to come back to that all the time mm-hmm. when I I want to earn it or when I want these outside forces to um, give you credibility. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like I am a counselor. That's a deep value of mine. I am a mom. That's one of the most important things I do. And those are those are important things and they can matter, but I can't grip them so tightly that I'm trying to make them who I am. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I have to regularly remind, like, this is assigned to you. This right. is done. Right. And you have to, you, you can't keep trying to, um, make this who you are. Right. Sometimes right. I feel insecure about, um, like my private practice not being bigger than it is or, or that I don't have counselors working for me when I've gotten the degrees that I've gotten, like some of my friends and, um, I'm like, this is the lane God's put you in. Right. And he's already said that you matter because. Because he matters through you. So yes. stop trying to be this thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that we do that. I don't know why we put that on ourselves. Well, it's muscle memory. Like you said, yeah. you like you probably witnessed it at home. And mm-hmm. even if your parents loved the Lord and wanted you to love the Lord, there was probably some stuff there. Like maybe your mom said something to you like um, texting you in the middle of an athletics banquet being like, uncross your arms, look yeah. athletic. <laughs> I may have texted that to Porter about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> Look confident. You're beautiful. Why are you standing like that? I'm like texting her yeah, anyway. So there could be some identity stuff that maybe parents project on their kids. Yeah, very true. But oh. it's good to just keep reminding yourself. Yeah. And I think that's our lifelong assignment too, is just trust him more and more and mm-hmm. believe that when we can't, he can. When we're weak, he's strong. Right. And he has made that promise and he keeps his promises. Right. You know, um, you I, I don't know this, this is, I'm not, I'm not piping in much tonight, but, um, you, you talking about that, like, like the little things that we pipe into our children and, and about like, <laughs> this is like, so like edit alert <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but I was like, you know, like some of the things that we're like projecting on other, our, on our children, um, so this this is so not relevant, but mm. I'm just going to still tell the feels story. Very, I, yeah. It feels relevant in the sense of like sometimes the things that we think don't land on, with our children land. 
So like, you know, sometimes Lydia Denny being very tall, um, I like want to remind her to like roll her roll shoulders, shoulders back yeah. mm-hmm. and like, Hey, stand up, pri- like stand tall and proud. Like mm-hmm. that, that like you, you're going to be tall, whether you're slouching or not, you better roll those shoulders back. Like it, it shows on somebody that's, sh- that's tall. Like, um, when she was probably about 10 years old, she went through this phase where she was like slicking her hair back in this pony, like a severe ponytail. <laughs> And it wasn't flattering. And I kept trying to like suggest that she like pull it from the sides, like, you know, yeah. to, to make it like kind of a looser, more romantic look, right? <laughs> For the 10 year old. A romantic look. But you know look. what I'm saying, right? Okay. It's like, okay. So anyway, she just wouldn't listen to me and she wouldn't listen to me. And I, I, I mentioned it multiple times about how I think her hair would look better in a ponytail that was like, looser softer and softer and you know whatever and she never never listened to me and then we were um in nashville as it were oh at a at a barbecue at central barbecue (laughs) in nashville and we had a waitress whose hair was pulled back (laughs) severely pulled back severely so much that her eyebrows she got like kind of like an eyebrow lift from it they they were so (laughs) so severe and the lady walked away from our table and Lydia whispered to me, Mom, I think I understand what you're saying about <laughs> my ponytail. And you're like, finally. I'm like, yes. Okay. Oh, so, I'm waiting for that day. Yes, like sometimes they, sometimes, like, you know, like, yeah, you know. Maybe we all need a, a ponytail moment. It's like, yeah. oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, right, now. and yeah. I, um, you know, I will say when it, what. This this isn't painting my mother in the most flattering light, but I'm still going to tell this story too. You know, my mom, uh, when I was in college, I, I, I periodically go through these phases like, what if I didn't color my hair? Like, you know, and... Um, and I know this story. And, and so just so you know, my natural hair color is like the color of dirty dishwater. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah, that's, that's mine too. Okay. And so anyway... I stopped, I stopped coloring. I, I was, I was considering stop coloring my hair. Cause I'm like, maybe it won't look that bad. Like, yeah. Who's to say? Yeah. Right? And I remember my, my mom, Ravenel, that's right. She, um, she said to me, why would you want to look like a two when you could look like a 10? <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I will tell you. 25 plus years later. Thank you, mom. You're right. Yes. It landed. I, I it, you're a blonde. Like a you're, you're not wrong. Uh, the, the color in my hair is a good plan for me. Yes. <laughs> I'm solidly two. I'm a solid two. No, it's all right. you're a solid 10. <laughs> well, thank uh, you so much for coming on. I thank you guys. just think you are so fun. Oh, um, thank you. And appreciate your role in our church and you as a mom. Um, so mm-hmm. thanks for coming on and just being honest. And I know it can be a little awkward and hard. And um, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Well, thank y'all. No, it's our pleasure. And uh, yeah, I mean, I always love serving with you, Laura, um, in children's ministry. But it is it is fun to get to know you better. Aww. Thanks again so much for joining us. And thank you guys for joining us on Embarrassment of Riches. Bye.